Come on, you can give him a better hand than that. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, how many of you have been learning about landmines in the last few weeks? How many of you have uh, dealt with a landmine lately? Something the enemy put in your path to, to take you down, to hurt you? Let me see one more time. We're in a day and an hour and a world of battle. But thank God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? All right, I'm going to deal with this, the seventh landmine today. The landmine of envy and jealousy. Now, I know nobody in here has ever been envious or jealous, but I want you to get the tape and give it to somebody. That's a joke. Y'all are supposed to smile. How many of you have ever been tormented by envy and jealousy? Isn't jealousy a torment? Well, we're going to look at that today and how to overcome the landmine of jealousy and envy. Let's go ahead and put, put it up there. And let's stand together for the reading of God's Word, and then we will move on and minister on this. And at the end of the service today, we're going to be praying for people, uh, for our care leaders, or uh, we're going to change the name leaders to life leaders, but I'll talk about that at the end. We're going to be praying for them because tonight is our life groups, and we're going to be meeting in groups all over the Metroplex, and we're going to be also uh, planting a couple of new ones. Matter of fact, how many of you in here today are single and 18 to 25 years old. Put them up high. Okay, I'm going to recruit you today. All right. Good. We're going to be starting a group for you. All right. Now let's look at uh, the landmine of envy and jealousy. Mark 15, 6 to 10. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner anybody the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Here's what Pilate said, would you like me to release to you the king of the Jews? And he went on to say, for he realized by now that the leading priests had done what everybody? arrested Jesus out of envy. Lord, thank you for your word today, and we pray that you will make it live to our hearts. We praise you for it and thank you that there is deliverance from the torment of envy and jealousy, and we can disarm that landmine. And I pray that, Lord, it will be disarmed, that unity may prevail in the house of God. In Jesus' name. Now, you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen. It's going to be good today, and you're going to need it tomorrow. This uh, series on landmines has done really, really well. I, always, I can always tell if something hits a nerve by how the CDs move. And I know that sounds kind of strange to some of you, but when a bunch of CDs go, then you know you're hitting a nerve. I felt very impressed with the Lord to go into this series on landmines because I'm a pastor, and one of my callings is to protect God's sheep. And I know that there is a, a devil, and he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may eat alive. And so 
This thing of landmines is so real. Now, we all know what a landmine is. It's a device planted under the ground secretly by an enemy. And his hope is that an unsuspecting person will step on it. And when you step on a landmine, naturally it blows up under your feet. It either maims you or kills you. Now, the original landmine layer is the devil. He lays landmines in our path. He lays landmines of temptation. Uh, different landmines that are secret. You don't know that they're there. They blow up under you suddenly, which is the idea behind a landmine. They take you off guard. You're not expecting uh, to step on one. And suddenly out of the blue, you are hit by a landmine. It blows up in your life. And we've talked in the last few weeks about the landmines of offense. That's a big one. Offense toward each other or offense towards God himself is a landmine. We talked about another big one, the landmine of deception. That's big. Lots of people uh, encounter that landmine. It blows up under them, and they only realize a day late and a dollar short that they stepped on the landmine of deception. And several others, and I encourage you to, uh, if you haven't been here, get the series. It'll bless you, and it'll guard you. The Word will guard you from the enemy uh, successfully putting one in your life. But this one on envy and jealousy, who would suspect that this could be a landmine, but this is a big one. The enemy attacks us with envy and with jealousy, and out of the blue, it can derail us. It can blow up under our feet, and we can really be affected by that spirit of envy and that spirit of jealousy. Now, we're, we learn from the passages we read that when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate tried several times to release him. He did not want to fool with Jesus. His wife had come to him and said, Honey, I've had a dream. I had a dream that you better leave this righteous man alone. Pilate listened to his wife. He knew that something was up. And so he started looking for an out. And he leaned on an old Roman law that said, At the Passover time, you can release a criminal, any criminal you want. So he picked the worst of the litter. He said, If I pick Barabbas a serial killer, a murderer, and I offer him up against Jesus, surely they will not choose Barabbas uh, uh, to be freed over Jesus. He was wrong. He did not know, fully understand, or comprehend what was going on. Barabbas was wicked, a serial killer. And all they could say about Jesus was, he's been a friend of publicans and of sinners. He went about everywhere doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You couldn't bring a criminal charge against the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us exactly why Jesus was delivered up to be crucified. Now, two things were going on. The reason I'm going to give you is the natural reason. It was envy. But the spiritual reason, what was really going on, is God had sent him to be crucified. So you have a paradox taking place. God has sent him to die for our sins. It is the will of God that he goes to the cross. But in the natural, what the enemy was using was envy. And so we're going to learn about envy today. The landmine of envy had exploded in the hearts of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of his day. They hated Jesus. They loathed him. They despised him. You know why? 
because the Father and the crowds loved him. And they couldn't stand it. He had favor with all the people. They were going around saying, no man speaks like this man. It says the poor heard him gladly. Everywhere he went, he drew huge crowds, raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils. There was nothing they could do to stop his popularity, but his popularity made them hate him. They hated Jesus. Now let me talk to you for a minute about the evil of envy because you'd be amazed how much the New Testament warns you and I to avoid the spirit of envy and jealousy. The dictionary definition of envy is anger or discontent at the good fortune or the possessions of somebody else. That's envy. It is anger or discontent at the good fortune or the possessions of another person. Envy is that uncomfortable feeling we can experience when we look at how somebody else has done well. Envy. Envy is a tormenting emotion. It is not from God and it doesn't give us the peace of God. It takes our peace away. It removes our focus from God and we move our focus from God to somebody else who has been blessed in a way that bothers us. It breeds resentment, hatred, and it spawns all kinds of unrest and discord in a home, in a workplace, in a church. When envy finds a way in, peace finds a way out. And God wants us free from envy. The word envy literally means to look at with evil intent. This is where the phrase, the green-eyed monster, comes from. It comes from the real meaning of the word envy. It portrays somebody who is looking so hard at somebody else through eyes of envy that their eyes turn green. Now, I've got green eyes. I'm stuck with them. But you know what I'm talking about. You look at somebody and that envy and that jealousy rise up in you and it causes you to fix your eyes on a person and get them off of God. And the Bible tells us that we're to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says, for instance, that when Saul, King Saul, realized how popular David was and how quickly he was becoming uh, the favorite among the people, the Bible says, quote, from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul took his eye off of God and he put a jealous eye on David and the, and the Bible says it drove him crazy. Now there is a difference between jealousy and envy. Let me try to tell you what the difference is. While jealousy is mentioned several times in the Bible, envy and the evil that it inflicts is talked about way more than jealousy. If you read your New Testament, you'll find envy. Envy is a far greater topic of interest than jealousy. Jealousy is just like envy in this way. It focuses on the possessions or the position of another person. But jealousy differs from envy this way. Jealousy is more of an inward or self-centered disposition. When I'm jealous, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm focused on myself. Jealousy is something you turn within. I play the violin at my own pity party. I invite people to my own pity party. Have you ever noticed that God does not show up at your pity parties? That's just for the record. You have a pity party, God won't show up, neither will, neither will the Holy Spirit. Uh, but that's just, that, that's free. 
But jealousy, jealousy now, focuses on you. Jealousy is marked by thoughts like this. It's not fair. That's not fair. He always gets everything he wants. I never get anything. Okay? I try to serve God and all I get is trouble. It's not fair. Why is God blessing them more than me? Boo-hoo. There we go. That's jealousy. Jealousy focuses on your own hurt. But envy is different. Envy desires the other person to hurt. Envy develops vendettas, desire for revenge, schemes of harming the person that is envied. Envy focuses on the person who has what you don't and what you wish you did, and envy resents them for it and blames them for it. While jealousy focuses on poor you, envy turns its anger toward the other person. Envy hates the individual that has what it wants. This is why the Bible is so clear that we are to avoid the spirit of envy in the body of Christ, in our homes, in our workplaces, and I'm going to help get you free from it today. Envy hates the person that has what you want. Envy doesn't just want to gain something. Envy wants the other person to suffer loss. That's why it's a good thing you and I are not God. There'd be a lot of grease spots out there who used to be human beings if we were God. We would be calling down all kinds of things on them. And uh, that's not the will of God, but that's what envy would do. Envy is vicious. Envy is mean-spirited. Scripture makes it clear that the spirit of envy is more violent than the spirit of jealousy. Out of envy and jealousy, Saul hunted David like a wild animal in the Judean wilderness for ten long years. He was not hunting him to say hello. He was hunting him to kill him because he had gotten envious at David. That's the spirit of envy. His envy and his jealousy eventually drove him stark raving mad, going to a witch in Endor for guidance from God. He went crazy. Ten years eaten up by the spirit of envy at David, the favor of God on him, the blessing of God on David. He couldn't stand it. And insecurity ate him alive. And envy drove him to try to destroy David. Envy is always a lose-lose proposition. I want you to understand that. Don't give in to envy because envy is a lose-lose. The story is told of an eagle that could outfly another eagle. And the slower eagle didn't like it. The slower eagle one day saw a sportsman and said to him, I wish you would bring down that eagle. The sportsman replied that he would if he only had some feathers to put into his arrow. So the eagle pulled a feather out of his wing and gave it to him. Here you go. Now shoot him. The arrow was shot, but didn't quite reach the rival eagle that the other eagle was envious of. He was flying too high. The envious eagle pulled out more feathers, kept pulling them out until he lost so many that he couldn't fly. The sportsman looked at him and said, you're easier. Shot him and killed him. <laughs> now here's the moral of the story. Jealousy and envy destroy us they destroy us and the person you're envious at they just go on through life they're not affected now did you know that the bible says that 
Envy is bad for your health. Envy is bad for your health. The Bible says envy is like a cancer that eats up the bones. Listen to Proverbs 14.30. But envy is the rottenness of the bones. Now listen carefully. As malignancy is to the bones and leprosy is to the flesh, so is envy to our spiritual being. It's corrosive. It's erosive. It eats away at your spiritual fiber. If you're always focusing on somebody else and what they have, and you can't stand it. You can't stand they've got what they've got. You can't stand they've got that job. You can't stand they've got that house. You can't stand they've got that spouse. And it eats at you, and it eats at you. And it affects your walk with God. It's corrosive. And do you know that the Bible says that envy is worse than having somebody angry at you. If you had a choice to have somebody envious of you or angry at you, the Bible says pick the angry person. Listen to what the Bible says. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. But envy is even more dangerous. Proverbs 27.4 It's better to have somebody mad at you, really seething at you, than somebody secretly envious at you because of what they can do. Envy leads to other sins. Envy runs with other sins. It produces, it spawns offspring that are really deadly. Envy is associated with and operates alongside several evil works. Let me give you an example. In 1 Peter, envy is associated with malice, guile, hypocrisies, and evil speaking. In Titus, envy is linked to foolishness, disobedience, and deception. In 1 Corinthians, envy is associated with strife and divisions. It's a guarantee. Find envy in a body of Christ unchecked and you've got trouble. James spells out in detail the consequences of envy. Listen to what James said about envy. But if you harbor, quote, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, that is, that envy, that emotion shooting through your mind, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, those two go together, I want what they've got, envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. It's a landmine. The devil knows if he can plant the landmine in your life of envy, and you receive it, and you begin to cultivate it, and you yield to it, and it grows in you, it's eventually going to result in selfish ambition, in stepping on people to get what you want, in undermining them, in bad speaking against them. It spawns all kinds of things. James said it's bitter. It breeds strife. It comes from the heart. It is seldom confessed, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. It is It is from and it is stirred up by the devil. He said envy is demonic. It leads to confusion and every evil work. Envy isn't anything you want to cultivate. We live in a world of envy. We live in a cutthroat world of envy. Everybody who works in a corporation or a business and knows that's true, say amen. We live in a cutthroat step on you if I've got to step on you to get where I want to go and to obtain what I want to obtain, and I don't care what it does to you. That's the spirit. Envy is the spirit of our world, but it's not to be the spirit of the body of Christ. You know why? Because my God's going to get to me whatever he wants me to have. And and I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I want you to say God's going to get it to me. I don't need to envy anybody. Say with me, I'm blessed. 
Now, another characteristic of envy is its hidden nature, the way that envy is concealed. Envy isn't very often confessed by anybody. You know why? Who is going to tell a group of people or tell a friend, you know what, I hate that person because of what they've got. I mean, we can confess anything. Yeah, I got, you know, I smoke, I drink, I'm messed up in drugs, I'm having a lust problem. We'll admit that, but I can't remember anybody who ever said to me, really, and I've been pastoring 25 years. I've never had anybody say to me, Pastor, I am eat up with envy towards that person. Matter of fact, I hate them because of what they have. I've never heard it. You know why? Because it's embarrassing. We don't want to admit that. So we try to hide envy. And let me tell you how we hide envy. We do it very artfully in the church. Here's how we hide it. Church folks are very good at covert tactics in attacking people they envy. We'll demonize them. We will gossip about them. We'll subtly point out their flaws and shortcomings. And you know how we do it? All under the pretense of discernment or I'm so concerned for them. So come here and let me tell you why I'm so concerned. They are a dirty, no good, hypocritical liars. And I'm just so concerned. I have discernment on this. And I want you to know that I'm asking you to pray for them. What you're really doing is you're nuking them with your gossip and your slander, and you're really wanting them to, be, uh, to, uh, to come under scrutiny and under criticism and to be destroyed. But we can't do that in church because we're Christians. So we do it another way. Here's what we do. We snipe at people from a distance, and we shoot at them from the shadows. Well, Pastor Jeff, amen. That makes me want to jump up and shout and give you a great big Amen. I've been around a long time, and I want you to know that envy is in the church. Envy gets in the church. Envy is in the church because people are in the church. And we've got to get delivered from envy and from jealousy and realize how much God has blessed every one of us individually where we don't need to be envious of anybody. Not anybody. But here's the problem. Because envy hides in the dark recesses of our soul, some will never get the help they need. And if you're eating up with envy today, you need help. You need to confess it to God and get it under the blood and ask God to deliver you because as long as you're envious, your eyes are off of God and they're on somebody else. You need to get the mind of Christ for your own life and get right with Him and let Him bless you because He wants to bless you. Now here's another thing about envy. Envy raises its ugly head in the presence of God's blessings. You want to know when envy really shows itself? When somebody gets blessed. Now, the Bible says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So that means when a brother or a sister get really blessed, we're supposed to be happy about it. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that what happens all the time? I'm so glad you got that million dollars. God bless you, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. Envy is brought to the forefront in the presence of God's blessings. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are being blessed and those of you that are being uh, 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 tempted to walk in envy. It was Joseph's coat of many colors, the sign of his father Jacob's favor, that surfaced the envy in his brothers. They saw that coat of many colors and they said, well, he didn't make us a coat. He only made Joseph a coat. What makes him so special? 
And then Joseph decided to step out and tell him about his dreams. Hey, I had a couple of dreams. All you dudes were bowing down to me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Doesn't that bless you? <clears throat> they said, bless us. <laughs> You're dead. You're dead. Because envy and jealousy seized them. The father's favor. The father's favor, they couldn't take it. They couldn't take the father's favor on Joseph's life. His dreams, his coat of many colors, the sign of the Father's favor. And if you walk with God, God still has coats of many colors. He blesses you. He gives signs of the Father's favor. And you need to understand, those of you that are experiencing God placing on you a coat of many colors, you need to be forewarned. Envy is already noticing through somebody's green eyes. Don't be amazed if not everybody rejoices over your blessing. It takes maturity when somebody gets blessed to say, Hallelujah, I am so thankful you got blessed. I hope you get blessed more. That takes maturity. Our world, you sorry sucker, it should have been me. Why you and not me? That's the, that's the world. I can tell you that somebody who has experience, and I say this in all humility, I really do, I just, I... I I have experienced in my life strong blessings from God in terms of ministry success. And I've learned that that's when envy rears its ugly head in many different disguises. When you're young and you're inexperienced and these things come at you and you feel the negativity coming from people, you don't know what to do with it. You take it personally because you don't know what to do with it because you don't know the source. And if you're going to be blessed, you've got to understand that it's going to come at you. As you get older, you develop the ability to discern the source of negative that is coming at you. And sometimes you will be able to cull apart. You'll be able to tell this is coming from envy and from jealousy. And I'm sorry that you feel this way, but it is envy and it's jealousy. So I'm not going to take it personally. Bible examples of envy, it's all through the Bible. We've already seen that envy was the driving force behind the crucifixion of Jesus. Envy delivered him up. Envy. They didn't doctrinally disagree with him. It wasn't the miracles they were having a problem with. They hated his guts because of his popularity. The Bible also reveals that envy moved Cain to commit the first murder in the human race. He killed his brother out of envy. Now you remember the story? Cain and Abel both brought offerings to the Lord. Cain brought a vegetable offering. Abel brought a sacrifice animal. God was already teaching the first family. Way back in the Garden of Eden, He was already teaching them and preparing them for blood sacrifices. He said, if you're going to make a, an acceptable sacrifice to me, it's got to be a blood sacrifice. But Cain said, well, I'll do it my way. I'll approach God my way. Just like so many people in our day right now. Well, it doesn't matter how I approach God as long as I approach Him. He knows my heart. He knows my intent. I have good intentions. Good intentions won't do it. You've got to go His way. And Cain brought a vegetable offering out of what he had grown in the field. And God said, I can't accept that because I only recognize a blood sacrifice to wash your sin away. Abel offered up a blood sacrifice and God accepted Abel's and rejected Cain's. And when he rejected Cain's, Cain went crazy 
with envy. The Bible describes the effect that envy had on Cain's face, on his countenance. It says, so Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. Now, the wise thing would have been for Cain to do what God required. That's all he had to do. Okay, I messed up, God. You don't want vegetables. You want a blood sacrifice. You don't want my own good idea. You want me to obey your law. Can I tell you today, there's a lot of Cains in this world who are going to face God in judgment and say, but I meant well, and I gave you what I had. And God will say, there's only one way. I told you the way. It's exclusive. It is narrow. It is only one way. I sent my son to die for your sin, Cain, and I don't want your offering. I want you to accept my offering. I sent Jesus God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can say to Him, well, I'm going to hug a tree, or I'm, I've, I've got religion, I've got some kind of religion, or I mean well, or I never get a traffic ticket. That is Cain's offering. Abel's offering was, here's the blood you wanted, here's the blood sacrifice you wanted, here it is, and God receives it. God's going to ask you one thing on the day of judgment. What did you do with Jesus? Not what was your idea. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with the cross? What did you do with my son? What did you do with the gospel? Instead of getting right with God, Cain got mad at Abel. He directed his displeasure outwardly, the earmark of envy. And if Cain had merely been jealous, here's what he would have done. He would have felt sorry for himself, walked off and sulked and moped. But because he hated Abel through envy, he murdered him, committed the first murder. Now, I'm going to tell you, do you know how many murders have been committed since, since then because of envy? Envy was the driving force behind the murder of Jesus Christ, and envy was the driving force behind the first murder in the first family. Joseph, I've already told you, was sold into slavery by his brothers because of envy. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. They hated him. Envy is a spirit. Jealousy is a spirit. It is a mark of immaturity. It is a mark of lack of trust in God. So how do you disarm the landmine of envy? How can we disarm this landmine if it's creeping up on you in your heart lately, looking at somebody, you're jealous, you're envious of them? How do you disarm it? How do you walk with God? How do you get it right? Let me just give you some tips. First of all, you've got to realize something. Can you say with me, realize? There is enough of God to go around for everybody. Can you say that with me? There is enough of God to go around for everybody. Now, can I tell you, I've already ministered this to you today, but let me just make it clear. It's not that God favors some people above others. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't have favorite children. He loves you as much as He loves me. He loves me as much as He loves Billy Graham. That's not it. He didn't love Abel more than He loved Cain. It had nothing to do with personal favoritism. It all came down to obeying God obeying God, doing the right thing. Remember what he said to Cain, who's sitting there crestfallen. 
boo-hoo-hoo. You didn't accept my sacrifice. And listen to what God said to him. If you do right, will you not also be accepted? Oh, that's a good word. Don't you know, Cain, that if you do the right thing, I'll bless you like I blessed Abel? That the only reason he's got blessing and you don't, because you, he came my way and you didn't. If you do it my way, if you submit to me and you honor me through that blood and, and you, you honor me by walking in my commandments, Cain, I'm going to bless you as much as I've blessed Abel. It's not favoritism. It's Abel did the right thing. Can I tell you what blessing there is in just doing the right thing? God just wants us to say, all right, I get it. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And now that I'm God's child through the blood of Jesus, I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to do what He tells me to do in His Word. I'm going to walk with Him as much as I know to do things right. And I'm going to bless Him and I'm going to honor Him. And as soon as you decide that, there is a coat of many colors headed your way. There is a coat that God's going to wrap around you. It's the coat of blessing, the coat of favor, the coat of goodness, the coat of prosperity in a good sense. God God will bless you. So say with me, it's about doing what He requires. It's about lining up our lives that God might be able to bless us. He's no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. If you do right, live right, seek Him and walk in His will, God will bless you. Why has our church been so blessed? Because God said give. So we've given 20% away, and it just came flooding in. And God has blessed us. And if you were to stay here in these four walls and not go out, you'd never know there was a recession. There's plenty of grace to go around. Now here's a second way to disarm envy. You've heard this a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one. Walk in the Spirit. That's how you disarm envy. Since envy is a work of the flesh, according to Galatians, the only way to shut it down is to walk in the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Envy is a lust of the flesh. It is an operation and a work of the flesh. It comes from the flesh and is inspired by the devil. And when you say, well, I'm going to walk in the Spirit, then listen... The Holy Spirit and envy cannot live in the same room. When we're full of the Spirit, we don't care what other people have. Have you ever noticed that? When you're really blessed by God, you don't care what other people have. They say, oh, I got really blessed. Well, that's just wonderful. Good for you, because I'm blessed too. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I've got peace with God. I've got the joy of the Holy Ghost. I've got peace like a river, joy like a fountain, love like the ocean. I am fine. I'm blessed. It doesn't bother me what you have. David said, I shall be satisfied when I wake up with your likeness. You just wake up and you say, Lord, just you being there, I'm satisfied. I'm content. You know, Pastor, I don't know what to praise God for. I lost my job, don't have a cash flow, don't know what I'm going to do. You know what? I'll tell you where you start praising Him. Praise Him that you're saved. Praise Him that He came into your life, knocked on the door of your heart, touched you with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, filled you with the Holy Spirit. You are rich. You have more than rich people on this planet have. There are billionaires laying in satin sheets. They can't sleep at night. 
because they have no peace. If I have Jesus, then I don't care what you have. Now here's the third step, walk in love. Can I tell you that love is envy's ultimate terminator? The love chapter says love does not envy. If you're walking in love, you can't envy somebody else. You know why? Because whatever they get, you're happy they got it because you're walking in love. Kathy and I, well, I was driving home the other, the other day, and I noticed one of our neighbors had a brand new car. This thing was sweet. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It was a snow white, brand new, paper license plate deal. You know, it's brand new, Acura, four-door, 18-inch chrome wheels. I was driving by, and I slowed down, and I looked. And I said, oh, man, now that's sweet. Now, we drive a 10-year-old Honda. Those Hondas last. But I noticed I started comparing Acura, Honda, new, 10 years old. And I thought, huh. I wonder what he does. And I'm going to be honest with you, I felt a little something. Eh, eh. Well, he just thinks he's so hot. <laughs> Driving that brand new Acura. I noticed the family out there all walking around it like it was something from, from Mars and getting in it and starting it and turning the lights on and off. And then I thought, you know, so what? Good for him. If he just leaves it in the driveway, it ups the value of my house. And I said, man, get another one. It'll make us look like we live in a better neighborhood. <laughs> but isn't it funny the way envy works? Isn't it funny the way envy works? Rather than resenting the success of the person you're envying, learn from them. How'd you do it? How'd you get there? Are you in deep debt or are you really able to pay this thing off? I want to know how you're being successful. And you learn from them. And don't resent success. Now, there's a fourth way to disarm envy, and I'm going to close with this. Realize this, and I've learned this with age and experience. Realize that behind closed doors, behind closed doors, those you envy have to deal with things you don't know anything about. In other words, the lives of those you envy may not be as rosy as they outwardly appear. I've learned that from experience. Everybody fights their demons and devils. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. You have no idea what that person you're envious of is having to deal with in the privacy of their own home and their own soul. And it could be that if you could be in their own home and in their own soul, you wouldn't be envious anymore. Charles Spurgeon wrote these words. I want you to listen to this. It's worth quoting. He says, My witness is that those who are honored of their Lord in public have usually to endure a secret chastening or to carry a peculiar cross, lest by any means they exalt themselves and fall into the snare of the devil. If you had known Charles Spurgeon, greatest preacher in London, England, probably the greatest pastoral preacher in the history of the world, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon lived in London in the 1800s 
when he was 21 years old, he was accepted into a church in London, and this church, New Park Street Baptist Church, exploded. He became the talk of the city. So great were his oratorical skills that the drama department, the famous drama department in London, would send their pupils to go listen to him to learn the peculiarities and the perfections of public speaking. He finally built a church that you didn't build in those days, a 5,000-seat auditorium. They had no speakers, no microphones, but his voice was such that he carried to 5,000 people with no problem at all. His sermons went all over the world. He was famous in America, though he didn't come. Sailors would get his, his messages, his sermons, typed out, printed. They were printed every Monday after the Sunday, sent out in huge bulk, and they would be saved by the droves on the open sea, just reading his messages. But Charles Spurgeon had a private cross. Pastors in London hated him. They lampooned him in the, in the newspapers, made cartoon lampoons of him. He was a little bit overweight, a little bit chunky, and they made him look real big and real funny, and they made fun of his face and fun of his body and, and all of this, but, but they couldn't deny the crowds, the huge masses that came to hear him. But if you'd been in Charles' private life, walk behind the closed doors, you'd have seen that he had gout so bad that his wife would have to roll him over in the bed because he couldn't roll himself over. His knees would swell to a size. They looked like elephant legs because of gout, agony. And he had a real problem with depression. He would just sink into despair. And he wrote about it and said, I wish I knew the answer. I wish I knew what did this to me. But I'd be fine and suddenly I sink into despair and I can't seem to come out. And he would read the Psalms and lay in bed weeks. There were times he couldn't make it to church because of what he was dealing with. Most people knew nothing of it behind closed doors. He was the envy of the pastors and preachers, but behind closed doors. He fought battles nobody knew anything about, and they wouldn't have traded with him had they known. Those who look so blessed and who you envy have struggles just like you, and they need your prayers. Amen? Now, let's stand together and let me summarize this. To disarm envy, we must realize there is enough of God to go around for everyone. There's enough grace for you. Second thing, walk in the Spirit. Third, walk in love. Fourth, remember, those we envy have their struggles too, and they need our prayer. Well, isn't God good? Can you say with me, he wants to bless me? He's got grace for me. Say, he's got something special for me. He really does. If you just walk right, God will bless you. I'm going to ask right now our life leaders, care leaders, to come down to the front. Could you, care leaders, and our life leaders? And tonight we're going to be meeting in homes all over uh, Fort Worth and the Mid-Cities. And I want to get, um, here we go, amen. These are, 
We love these life leaders and these care leaders. And while they're coming, I want us to have a prayer together. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? If you feel free to do that, if you're all right with that, just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to walk in maturity and to shun envy and jealousy. You will bless me. I receive your grace for my life. I'm blessed. In Jesus' name. Now, can you give him a hand of praise for that? You're